Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dave Lee Down Under podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Dave Lee. I'm taking a small break over the holidays and will return with new episodes in early 2021. Until then, I'll be delivering a number of compilation episodes showcasing some of the best moments from 2020. Regularly, episodes go out every Monday on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon, and a visual element is also available on YouTube. Patreon supporters get all of this on the Saturday, so if you'd like your early access, head to patreon.com forward slash Under. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the like button down below. Please enjoy the best of the Daily Down Under podcast 2020 part one. So we're selling something new, and here's here's something interesting that I want to talk about first. This came out, um, this was sort of the beginning of the pandemic when everything, really just after the first lockdown. Oh, hang on, before, before you do that, you forgot, you forgot your... Your line. Let's get, cut right into oh, it. Let's cut right into it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> At that, guys. Oh. Yeah. Oh, geez. There we go. We've got off to a bad start already, but we're going to cut right into this, guys. Are you excited? Are you excited? Thank you, guys. Okay. Cut it out. Cut it out. All right. So what I want to talk about first. Now, this kind of came out at the very beginning of the pandemic, sort of just after the first lockdown. Um, here in Melbourne, we, we live in Melbourne, and we're in our second lockdown at the moment. Hard lockdown this time. Very hard lockdown. We're not allowed to do anything. We've got a, a, our 8pm curfew coming up very soon, which means we're not allowed to leave the house. Can't leave. We can't leave within a five-kilometre radius of a house, all this crazy stuff. But the first lockdown was, um, well, we had the first lockdown, and then we started to reopen the, the, the state a little bit, and then we had to lock down again. But the, the very beginning of this, pod, uh, of this uh, lockdown... Um, the ABC. Now, this is um, not not to be confused with the American ABC, the Disney-owned network. This is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. So, the ABC. I, I guess if you want to compare it to anything, it's the the British BBC, British Broadcasting yeah, Corporation. Yeah, if you watch any of those, like, David Attenborough shows, if there's anything that's filmed here in Australia, usually they have an ABC unit going to it. So, anyway, this is a, this is a, a body, a government-owned body, um, that's really supposed to be a supporter of the arts, and really supporting arts and entertainment locally. Um, and it is a network, but they have like their own production arm. And I thought this is something that they launched. This is on a, um, I think it was like a, a sketch show that they did. Um, but then they also put it online and it sort of became like a little viral thing. Now, I understand this is a joke. This is their idea of comedy, but I'm not, just have a listen to this. This is something they launched at the beginning of, of the pandemic when everyone's home with a lot of free time. These are unprecedented times. We know things are hard right now. You're stuck inside with nothing to do. You might be going out of your mind. Just wanting to do something. Anything. But now, more than ever. More than ever. More than ever. It's time to think about how your choices affect others. So please, please. Please. Don't start a podcast. Just don't do it. Don't do it. You might feel like it's a productive use of your time right now. You've All probably right. All right, already... guys, that's enough. That's enough. Uh, what do we make of this? Uh, I find it staggering. You know, it's a, as you said, it's a, um, it's a government, basically a government-run body that um, is supposed to be at the art, about the arts and mm-hmm. being free-spirited and free speech and all those sorts of things. And, and um, we get that it's supposed to be a joke, but... You know, some people are going to take take that seriously, and and uh, and probably you know get really pissed with it. I suppose. I, I think I think it's very 
tone, it's tone deaf and it's very out of touch. Like oh, they're trying yeah, to be yeah. funny. They're trying to be funny. I get it. It's a joke. I don't take offence to this, but I think it's just so out of touch that it's like, again, as you said, it's a government body. They're supposed to be encouraging people. They're supposed to be encouraging younger people to get into the arts and to create art. And they go and launch something like this. Yeah. The like, wrong person listens to this. They get completely discouraged. Disheartened by it. You know, and coming from my background, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a um, commercial photographer and, and um, you know, it's all about creativity and, and um, you know, um, being able to explore your cre- the creative side of yourself. And then they, you know, the ABC are supposed to be doing the same type of thing, like encouraging people to, to be creative and to produce new content and all mm-hmm. these sorts of things. And they, then they, you know, put something like that out and, okay, as we said, we know it's a, we know it's a joke, but... <laughs> You know, it just it just flies in the face of what they're all about. Yeah, that's what I, I when I first saw it, I thought this is absolutely. Ridiculous. I actually got a, a, a tiff on Twitter. Can't remember the name of the guy, <laughs> but he was a guy that I think he, he works at the ABC somewhere, like a news. He made some quip about, oh, um, now that I'm locked down again, I have to be subjected to all these new podcasts or something. I think it's I think it's crazy. Like. This I feel like this almost comes off, and it's probably not supposed to be this way. But I, to me, it kind of comes off as they're maybe a little bit jealous that these younger people or are coming out with new arts, or you know, older people who are experiencing the arts for the first time, creating their art and stuff, are now creating stuff on their own independently. Without, I mean, ten years ago, you, if you wanted to get anything done in Australia, you had to go through the ABC. Yeah, exactly right. I pitched a program yeah. to the ABC 10 years ago, which, which they knocked me back on. Um, but um, I, just think, I just think it's a very tone-deaf thing. I think it's very silly, but you know what? Oh, yeah, we're starting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Look, I, I don't want to... I don't want this to be like a shots fired kind of thing straight off the bat. I'm not raging war with the ABC. I do appreciate them. I love what they're all about and stuff. But something like this is just so, so silly. So, 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 so silly. You had a bit of a run-in with, with a delivery driver. Just a, oh, yeah. Well, just earlier really in the week. It wasn't really a run-in. It was, <laughs> it was quite hilarious, to be honest. Yeah. But it uh, was earlier in the week and mm-hmm. um, uh, I'd, just got out of the shower and my, yeah. my bedroom overlooks the front yard and I noticed there was a um, delivery van yeah. in our driveway. Yeah. They'd, revert, they'd reversed into the driveway. Yeah. I don't know how long he'd been there. So I got changed. I came mm-hmm. back out and he was still there. So I had a look on the on the front veranda and there was nothing nothing there. So he hadn't delivered anything to us. And then he had sat there and he sat there and he sat there and about 20 minutes had gone past, he was still sitting there and I thought, what the hell is this bloke doing? So then uh, I thought, bugger you. So I went and stood on the front veranda to see if he was going to look, to look around to see if anybody was there. Didn't look around. And I could see in his driver's window and see what he was doing. And yep. he was on Facebook. Yeah. So he was scrolling through Facebook. Mm-hmm. It was only, what is it, probably eight? Eight to ten metres away, yeah. maybe. Quite close. So we could see quite easily what he was doing. Yeah. And he was just sitting there going through Facebook. And he sat there for for what I knew was at least 45 minutes. At least. He could have been there ten minutes prior to that while yeah. I was in the shower. I don't know. So he was there at least 45 minutes. Eventually he gets out of his van and he looks up and he sees me standing <laughs> on the veranda. And he said, hello. And I said, mate, what are you doing? I've, he said, I've got a delivery. And I said, yeah, I said, but you've been there for 45 minutes at least. I said, what are you oh, doing? Man. I've got a delivery. Is this, num- is, this, is this number 25? I said, 
no, this is number 27. Number 25 is up there. And he said, he said so it's, it's uh, number 25. I said, no, it's number 27. Number 25 is the house next door. So he walked around the back of the van, got the parcel out of the van, left the van in the driveway, and then walked up the hill to deliver the parcel. Unbelievable. And when he came back, I just said to him, mate, what are you doing? You can't be sitting in somebody's driveway like that. I said, I, I said, I've had a phone call from a next door neighbour saying there's a there's a van in my driveway <laughs> to check and make sure I was here because they thought somebody was yeah. trying to knock stuff Roll off. The place, yeah. So in the, in the end, in the end, I just told him basically told him to piss off and don't do it again. Yeah. You can't be sitting in people's driveways like that. That's crazy. I was there. I came out for a sticky beak as well. Have a little look. Hey guys, yeah. just sitting there on Facebook. Like, what are you doing? In, in the in the end, he drove off, and we just looked at each other and thought, "What a dick!" And what just pissed ourselves on? off and think, "What, what a is dick. going on? What a dick!" People anyway. are just—it's just everyone's gone a bit crazy at the but moment. It, but even funnier with deliveries was yeah. your mother. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, we were we were watching something. In, yeah, in must here, have been in, in here theater. watching something. Yeah, and. Um, she came in bragging about, oh, her, she'd placed all these deliveries for four or five different <laughs> orders and yeah. different websites for clothing and God knows uh-huh. what. And she came in bragging, oh, my stuff's arrived already, my stuff's arrived already. And then and then the doorbell rang and, and, and you had said to her, were you going to answer the door and go and get it? There's a, there's a guy out there. Yeah, so so she went to the front door. It turned out it was for next door, yeah. the same house that the, the, the delivery yeah. driver <laughs> earlier in the week. Uh, had delivered stuff too, and then she came in all, disappo- all disappointed. That oh, it wasn't my stuff; it was for next door. Gosh, <laughs> unbelievable! That was hilarious. It's crazy. Um, we mentioned Daisy Ridley before from uh, Star Wars, who was, of course, the female lead of the new Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy. Oh, last week we had uh, John Boyega. We had John Boyega. This, this, this week we've this got week Daisy. Daisy. Uh, Daisy what Ridley. has she been up to? Well, she uh, appeared on Jimmy Kimmel this week. Um, Jimmy's not hosting at the moment; he's taking some time off. Um, so the guest host was Josh Gad, who was actually like a personal friend of, of hers. Yep. They did that um, Murder on the Orient Express together. They oh, did a lot of yeah, like yeah, silly little yeah. Twitter things yep. where it was like this video where they were, while they were making Rise of Sky, um, uh, The Last Jedi, Josh Gad was like, oh, so you're going to tell me all the secrets and stuff? Just funny little Twitter videos and stuff. And so Josh Gad was co-hosting and uh, he asked her an often asked question about the Star Wars sequel, um, which she's never been able to answer before. Because uh, she was making the films, but now the movie's been out there for for um, you know a year um, or almost a year, she can answer these questions honestly. Um, so this is have a listen to this. This is the question and the answer um, from the Jimmy Kimmel show. So Dave, uh, I want to ask you. I just found this out. You have you been keeping Ray's secret from the beginning? Did you know about the parentage? Like, uh, tell me about that that journey of when you found out. No. At the beginning, there was toying with like an Obi-Wan connection and then um, it really went, there were like different versions and then it really went to that she was no one. And then it came to episode nine and JJ pitched me the film and was like, oh yeah, Palpatine's granddaddy. And I was like, awesome. And then two weeks later, he was like, oh, we're not sure. So it kept changing. So then even I was filming and I wasn't sure what the answer was going to be. So. There you go. So this is something that a lot of people have been going on about for ages, ever mm. since The Last Jedi came out, which essentially went back over a bunch of plot points and stuff that JJ set up in the first film. Uh, was how are they make? Are they are they just how are they making a film without having a without having a plan uh, without having right? an endpoint? Yeah, 
So it's essentially confirmed now via this interview with Daisy and a bunch of other things that have come out. This this franchise, this trilogy, was not planned. No, not at all. Well, look, uh, that, that all that all fits in with what John Boyega was saying as well. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Isn't where it? they didn't have the plan for the character, they yeah. set it up, yeah. and then based on what the audience reaction to the film was, they went. Oh, no, let's just change that. Let's just, to appease everyone. So this is what I was saying last week, which was that take one, write it and pass it on and then yeah, you yeah. can do the next one sort of thing. Initially they had um, three. Whispers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to, initially they had um, three directors and three writers set up for the film. So J.J. Abrams was going to do the first one. Uh, you were going to have um, uh, um, Ryan Johnson do the second one and then Colin Trevorrow, I think, was going to do the third one who did um, uh, Jurassic World, the first one or the second one? One of the Jurassic World films. Um, and then they kicked him off the project because he released some film that was absolutely canned. So they kicked him off. Yeah. And so they all, all these three directors were given their own sort of creative pull and to do whatever the hell they wanted to do with the films. And then after The Last Jedi, um, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, fans, big backlash. So they were like, all right, panic stations, let's bring JJ back. It's absolutely... <laughs> Fucking what a, mess. What a nightmare. Absolute mess. It's no wonder the film was not the greatest. The Rise of Skywalker, you know? man. Look, I defended The Last Jedi endlessly from the rooftops. I still say it is a brilliant film. I love the way that it went back on things that were done in The Force Awakens. I love the way that it, it did like um uh, it, it did a lot of unexpected things, big surprises and stuff. It was a brilliant film. But that's because I thought, this is planned this way. Yeah. But it wasn't planned that no, way. No, 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 no. Wow. And I'm say, I will say now, I will say it, it wasn't planned. And maybe that was not the best way to go about doing The Last Jedi. As much as I love the film, maybe it wasn't the best way to do it. Because then they maybe, had to go... Maybe. Definitely not the best way to do it. <laughs> they had to go back for The Rise of Skywalker. And JJ comes back and goes, shit, I don't like what he's done here. That's not what, I, that's not what I'd planned. Let's just rewrite it all and go back on everything again. It's such an absolute mess. What a balls up. The Rise of Skywalker, I thought, I haven't watched it a second time. I can't go back to it. I can't go back to it because it was just... Dis- oh, it just I, 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 I felt it was disjointed. Oh, so disjointed. because it's And you can tell now. Yeah, this is why. This is why. Yeah. Because they didn't have a plan. There was no plan. And I don't understand, right? How does the company that made the MCU, oh. the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Disney, this big, yep. grand... I mean, granted, they weren't involved in the first phase of films, but they helped usher Marvel into the... Yeah, this in- intricately planned, beautiful franchise that so many other studios are trying to emulate and have been for the last 10 years. So how does the big studio behind this franchise fuck it up so bad with Star Wars? Wrong people, wrong place. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Like, I don't talk about Star Wars on my channel anymore. Oh, no, no, no. I don't go there anymore because it's not worth it. The comments you get, toxic shit, and just, it's just, and I lost a lot of passion for Star Wars, my love for Star Wars. Like, it's one of the first movies I ever really loved. I was like seven or eight years old. I'd never never watched it. You'd never watched it. When it it came, it was the first one, 77? Yeah. I never, I never really watched mm. any of that. No, yeah. I only ever watched it when you when you started. Yeah, exactly. I thought, oh, I might sit it's like ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. Um. So I've loved it since then, and I just lost a lot of passion for it because, well, 
A, because of the way fans were acting about it, and then B, because of how I felt about The Rise of Skywalker. And the thing for me was I come out of Force Awakens like, this is amazing, this franchise is going to be so good, oh, I wonder what they've got planned, how they're going to pay all these things off. You know off. what they had planned? Fucking Fuck jack all. shit. Nothing. <laughs> they had nothing planned. And that pisses me off now, looking back at that going, you've done me over. And I sat there the whole time like, no, I defend this. I will defend this movie. I defend The, the Last Jedi because I loved it, thought it was great. They have a plan. I am, how, how do you make Star Wars without a plan? You don't. And now coming out of the end of it, like a year later after The Rise of Skywalker, that bit of disconnect and all this shit that we've been hearing, how can you continue to defend that? That is just, well, you just so can't. You stupid. Just can't. You, you can't. can't do it. You can't. You don't go into the biggest franchise in the world and run it into the ground by yeah. just not planning anything. yeah. I wonder what Lucas uh, felt feels about that. He ha- well, I'm not going to say hate, but George Lucas was not happy with what they did with The Force Awakens. Bob yeah. Iger wrote a very large a chapter in Bob Iger's memoir, a very candid chapter about oh, really? how they pissed off George. Really? And how he essentially had to grovel and, you know, I'm so sorry. George went in with this whole thing, like, this is my trilogy. This is how I've mapped it out since the 70s. Take all my... You know, all my uh, my writings, all my scripts, everything. When you buy Lucasfilm, please make this. Yeah, we'll make those movies, George. We'll make those movies. And that fucked him over. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And Bob Iger agree, uh, said in his book, deeply sorry, this is the biggest mistake we've made. Like, mm. so stupid. Like, why? Yep. Like, yeah. At least have J.J. Abrams take the three movies, write a whole, you know, treatment whole, yep, yep. and stick to it. Even if it's not what George was going to do, do a treatment for Head the entire trilogy. Head down a path and stay on that path. Not go, all right, let's take this guy, let's take this guy, let's take this guy, you write one, you write one, you write one, now you piss off, bring this first guy back, and you just do whatever the hell you want. No. It so stupid. Yeah, well, it makes, so it makes sense. So stupid. I mean, I didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know any of that, and and to me, watching the film, it was... Yeah, you picked up on it. It was a tad boring. It was a tad oh. boring to me. Yeah. And it was just all over the place. And I remember, I remember saying to you that, geez, I, I had to really concentrate on that and try mm. and work out what the yeah. hell was going yeah. on. And that makes sense. That's that's yeah. totally makes it's sense. Absolute balls up. This is why John Boyega feels like he was done over because they set him up, you know, yeah. in that first film so beautifully well, to so have an ma- amazing arc. Well, so for me, I didn't not not knowing any of that mm. sort of background now. Yeah. And I thought, but John Boyega, when we were talking yeah. about John Boyega last week, I'm thinking, is he just being? You know, is he being yeah. pretentious or is he yeah. being a bit full of himself yeah. or what? I don't know, but it actually all makes sense. Makes sense to other pieces, totally the puzzle pieces. Because, yes, they did. Finn was definitely set up to have an amazing arc and then they just uh, yeah, put him to the back because yeah. it's not working. People don't like it, whatever. Again, this is the whole thing about how this is dangerous precedence about putting the power in the hands of the audience. Yeah. Fucking map out your series and just do it. Just do it. The first two films made over a billion dollars each. The Force Awakens made $2 billion, right? Almost $2 billion. Um, and they they just went with what the audience like. Oh, the audience like this. The audience didn't like this. Let's just placate them. It's a very dangerous precedent. And again, it's the same thing that's happening with um, the Justice League. Zack Snyder's been allowed to come back and do his... Um, edit of the film, the, the Snyder Cut, because the DC fans were all up in arms, spamming Twitter, hashtag release the Snyder Cut, harassing the actors and just shit for, for a couple of years. That's another one and I can't this, really get into. And, no. and my, my favourite superhero character has always been yeah, Superman. Superman. Always. Yeah. Since I was a kid. 
Crazy. Um, and I can't get into that franchise. No, exactly. I watch, I watch them, but yeah. I just think, you know, you, you'll start off, you've got, you know, you start off with Ben Affleck as Batman, mm. and then you've got, who's the next one? Patterson's oh yeah, because one. the way because now that's the whole thing of like the, the audiences like that's that's another franchise that went in without a plan. That's a whole other thing. They tried to emulate what Marvel was doing by doing it the opposite way by giving everyone the team up film first and then doing you know doing the wacky zany stuff like Suicide Squad, which was obviously to capitalize on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. But Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy was like the tenth or the eleventh film or something in the Marvel. So they had like had this like audience rapport, um, the audience loved all the Marvel films, trusted anything Marvel. Suicide Squad was like the third film in the DCEU. And, and is, that, is that because they, you know, because those characters have been around so long that mm. we knew who they were and they, they well, just assumed well, yeah, that everybody yeah, exactly would, right. would that come along it. for That's the That's exactly right. So you had Batman who had been in the four, like the two uh, Tim Burton Michael ones, the two, and, yeah, yeah. the two Joel Schumacher films. You had like 1940s serials with Batman, the 60s series with Batman, animated series. Everyone knows Batman. Superman, same yeah. thing. Serials, films, television series. Um, so they were going, all right, everyone knows who they are. Let's just do something. But you can't do that. You no. can't. You, if you're starting a new franchise, you need to reestablish all your characters for people who might be going in for the first time. Yeah. And you go in watching like I remember. It's like what, I always say, you always cater the lowest common denominator. Well, exactly right, and that's what the studios usually do until now, and they're putting too much power in the hands of the audience. That's and nice. I think that's a big problem. But I remember watching problem. Batman v Superman, and like Batman just comes into it, he's pre-established everything. Obviously, we knew Batman was. Oh yeah, the bloody three Christopher Nolan films. I didn't mention them before. So yeah, so much yeah, yeah. Batman. Yeah. But I remember watching Batman v Superman, and obviously a separate franchise. But the thing I'm thinking in my head watching that for the first time was like trying to relate this Batman story back to what we'd seen in the Nolan films only a couple of years earlier. Mm. And then you kind of have to stop yourself and go, no, shit, this is a different version of the character completely. Yeah, So no, that's you right. have to distance it. So yeah. I feel like audience had a lot of problem. But anyway, that is a little bit off course. But I feel like, yeah, again, this thing here, whatever the hell happened with Star Wars um, – I still love Star Wars. I think The Force Awakens was a brilliant film. I think uh, that was like a fantastic way to start a franchise. Last Jedi was a great, uh, amazing film. Last Jedi is probably one of my favourite Star Wars films. Yeah. Yep. But it probably should, definitely should not have been made the way it was made. No. It should not exist. It's a film that should not exist, sadly. Sadly enough. It's a, it feels good to get a lot of this off because I haven't, <laughs> I haven't spoken about Star Wars for like a year. It is a little bit. Because yeah. um, it just opens up too many holes. It is. Like, that's nuts. You know, I mean, too many people out there. Could... Like, I'm not. I'm not like telling the trolls they were right. I still think like awful the way a lot of people reacted over the Last Jedi. Like, I didn't like this, but I, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I get a little bit pissed off, and then I'm going to move on. Yeah. Right. And that's why I don't talk about Star Wars anymore because it's just not worth it. I think the way a lot of people in the fandom acted really stupid and continue to act really stupid. Right. Mm. Um. So I'm not like bowing down to them. I just, as someone who likes good films and knows a lot about storytelling, whatever else, it's just a stupid, stupid way to do it. Now, only a couple of days after this statement went out, Disney, oh, Lord, Disney announced a massive change-up in their operations, which has done nothing but stoke the flames, right? (laughs) Only a couple of days after they've been called out by Unic, they're just fanning the fire. Throw a bit of, throw a bit of fuel on the fire. Yeah, a bit of petrol on the fire. 
CNBC reported, Disney are restructuring their media and entertainment divisions, centralizing their media business into a single organization that will be responsible for content distribution, ad sales, and Disney+. Plus in an effort to further accelerate its direct-to-consumer strategy. Now, this happened effective immediately. CEO of uh, Disney, the new CEO of Disney, Bob Chapek, sorry, Bob Chapek, went on CNBC, made this announcement, effective immediately. That's when the the change happened and the stocks for Disney bloody skyrocketed immediately after this. I've got a very small clip here of Bob Chapek on CNBC, this is what he had to say about it. Well, what we want to do, Julia, is accelerate our transition to a real direct-to-consumer priority company. Uh, We believe that we've got the opportunity to build upon the success of Disney+, Plus, which by almost any measure has been far and above anybody's expectations and really use this to catalyze our growth and uh, increase shareholder wealth. Yeah, I would not characterize it as a response to COVID. I might say that COVID accelerated the rate at which we made this transition, but this transition was going to happen anyway, because essentially what we want to do is separate out the folks who make our wonderful content based on tremendous franchises from the decision-making in terms of where the prioritization is in terms of how it gets commercialized into the marketplace. And what we want to do is leave it to a group of folks who can really see objectively across all the constituents that we have, the various different considerations that we've got, and make the optimal decision for the company as opposed to somehow having it be predetermined that a movie is destined for theaters or that a TV show is destined for ABC. Right. So essentially what he's saying is all these divisions, I've said it in the past, Disney are so divided up. And if I want to contact anyone at Disney, I have specific contacts for specific areas of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that be home media, whether that be Disney, animation, that be Fox, the, for the 20th Century Studios side, Lucasfilm and Marvel, right? Disney Parks, Disney yep. Channel, Disney Plus. They're all just separate. All separate. Not anymore. All one. They have all, all one. They've created this one new team of people who so, go on. it's now their job to decide what content goes where. It says no more about, oh, we're making a film for theatrical, we're making a film for Disney+, Plus. we're doing this. It's we're making content and now this team decides where it's going to go. Mm. That probably goes back to what we were talking about last week about, uh, or the last couple of weeks, about um, the large blockbuster films will probably go to cinema. Yeah. And the ones that would have gone to cinemas in the past that weren't mm-hmm. blockbusters yeah. will probably go straight to yep. streaming. Exactly right. While Disney have had a terrible run at non-blockbuster films the last 10 years. Everything that's a blockbuster, most everything that is a blockbuster, goes out from Disney, billion dollars plus, right? We've had a few flops here and there. The movies that haven't performed very well are the smaller films that aren't based on anything other than like maybe a book or you know something like that, not not part of a massive franchise thing. They're pulling like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, which is a huge drop down yeah. from a billion dollars or two yeah. billion dollars, right? So all these smaller films will now go straight to the streamer, absolutely no doubt. The only movies we'll get in cinemas from Disney will be blockbusters, big blockbusters, yep. the Marvel films, yep. the 
live action remakes, which do a billion dollars each, most of them. And I reckon a lot of even a lot of the Marvel stuff will probably go straight to streaming too. Well, yeah, because they well they're doing all the Marvel TV series now for streaming. So I don't know. So I mean, this is the question: is what does it mean for the theatrical experience? I think it's just that it's just that you go to cinemas to see big blockbusters, and you stay at home to watch the smaller scale stuff, the the independent stuff, the mm. stuff that. They're not going to make money on in cinemas, which is a huge blow. Yeah. Well, it's hard to sort of work out what they'll do because you've got um, – what's his name? Um, the director of The Mandalorian. Uh, John Favreau. John Favreau has just come yeah. out and said that they want to be filming the third, third season, season of The Mandalorian mm. this year. Yeah. And part of – Part of the interview that I saw with him, or read, sorry, mm. didn't say read of it, of it, was that he said that um, uh, he's not going to count out, he's not going to count out um, crossover. Sorry, not crossover film, mm. but part of this part of this um, fran- this franchise, mm. the Mandalorian yeah. franchise, going to cinemas. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so it's yeah, because now the big rumours are shit Mandalorian movie. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah. Well, Bob Chapek was actually asked about what this means for the theatrical experience. And you'd hope that he'd come out and go, ah, it's fine. Theatres are fine. We're still making movies for theatre. No, they're not. Well, <laughs> the answer was... They're making, they're making movies and putting it on a platform where they can make the most money out of it. Well, That's let's, what they're going to do. Well, let's have a listen to what Bob, Ch- Bob Chapek said, right, when he was asked about this. Yes, yeah, so, as you know, we've benefited from a tremendous relationship with theatrical exhibition for many, many, many years. Uh, as dynamics change in the marketplace, though, we want to make sure that we're giving consumers who want to go to theaters to experience everything that a theatrical release can give them, we want to make sure that we continue to give them that option. But at the same time, there's a lot of consumers that want to experience a movie in the safety, comfort, and convenience of their own home for whatever reasons they do. So we want to make sure, that, again, that we put the consumer first and the consumer is going to be making the decision in terms of how they consume our media as opposed to some arbitrary decision that we may make from a distribution standpoint. So we want to look at ourselves as consumer enablers. Mm. Consumer enablers. Yep. So it's not theatres first, no. it's consumer first. Yep. And it's and then that's what they're in. They're, 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 you know, they're there to provide oh, exactly right. entertainment yeah, yeah, yeah. To, a, to a consumer, to you and I. Yeah. And everybody listening. Yeah. So you can sort of understand that. Um, but, you know. It's sad. It's sad. It doesn't sound great it doesn't, for cinemas, it, does it? It doesn't. No. It doesn't help all these, you know, it, it might sound like doomsday stuff. Oh, cinemas are closing. Cinema. Far out, man. I don't know because that's, it's, you know, like two or three days after, you know, the European Cinema Union uh, come out and said, Oh, we're we're feared. You'd, you'd hope that a studio would come out and go, "Oh no, it's okay. We're still going to support you guys." We've got Disney, who no, again is the big studio who everyone else follows, are coming out and going, "We're just going to do what's best for our customers." Exactly right. And if our customers are paying more money for Disney Plus than are going to cinemas, we'll put it on Disney Plus. And you'll have, you'll have you'll have lazy CEOs from mm-hmm. other studios going, good enough for Disney. Let's just do it too. Exactly right. Instead of, instead of taking a an, a, a, an opposed stance mm-hmm. and go, I think this is best for our brand to to yeah. go to cinemas or whichever. They'll just go, Disney are doing it. Why don't we just do it? Well, again, 
Disney Plus comes out instantly. Warner Brothers, HBO Max, Universal Peacock, Platinum, um, Paramount Plus is yeah. coming next year. So they've all the big studios have got their own streaming platforms now, and they're just going to follow Disney. They're watching and they're going to see what they do. It's been the same since the 1920s, right? Everyone followed Walt Disney, and everyone keeps following the name, the brand. And again, I've said this a number of times, it goes back to this talk that I saw with Jeffrey Katzenberg in 2014, six years ago. He was at the time the CEO of DreamWorks Animation. He was asked in this talk where he saw the future of cinema in the next 10 years. We briefly went over this in the pilot episode, but since then I've actually found an audio bite. This is what Jeffrey had to say six years ago about where cinema was going to be in 10 years' time. So, 10 years from now, movies will come into movie theaters and they'll be exclusive in movie theaters. My guess is two weeks, a little bit, three weekends, something like that. You know, 15 days, 17 days, something like that. And then after that, movies will be available everywhere to everyone on the planet and you will pay for the movie based on the square inch. So the bigger the screen, the more you pay for it. <laughs> so if you watch it on a you know, projection in your home, you'll pay $12. You watch it on a 70-inch, 75-inch TV, you'll pay six ninety-five. You watch it on this, you'll pay $1.99. People will pay for this not based on windows of availability, but on the size of the screen, meaning the quality of the presentation that you see. <laughs> Doesn't that just sound exactly like what's happening right now? <laughs> it's been a long time coming. It's been a long, long time coming. Mm. And this is something they've been planning for years. And that was how long ago that that, that talking of? Six years ago. Six years ago. Yep. So Chapek um, went on to say, actually, that um, the that this is something they've been talking about doing for ages, but the pandemic has accelerated the speed at which it's happened. Mm. That's what I've been saying yeah. the last few weeks is yeah. they've all gone, okay, it's our chance, just yeah. jump for it right yep. now, just do it, do yep. it. And they've done it and it's paying off. And sadly, it's at the detriment for the theatrical experience. And I'm going to be very sad to see cinemas go. Very sad, awful. Well, you it'll it'll go in waves, you know, like yeah, we, like like I was we're saying was the last like last week yeah. before that, you know there was that 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 period late late nineties mm-hmm. early two yeah, thousands yeah. where cinemas were struggling, yeah, and it was because of you know big franchises like Marvel and and um, Star Wars that that they had a revival, mm. um, and they you know they've enjoyed a really good run the last I don't know, yeah. fifteen years or so, mm-hmm. um, and you know. They'll probably have a bit of a lull here, and hopefully, at one at one point, um, it'll come back again. You know, and just come back in waves. Well, I, th- I don't think cinemas will close down completely. I, I think, don't think so. As we've said, they'll stay open. They might be there might be less around, and it might be that films go to them on a, a limited release, and then, like Jeffrey said six years ago, they go into cinemas for fifteen days, and then they're on your streaming platform. Yeah. So Black Widow goes to cinemas 15 days later. You can get it on Disney Plus, right? Um, I think that's kind of the way it's going to go. And the interesting thing about this whole thing now, it's it completely making sense. The penny has dropped why Bob Chapek was chosen to be the new CEO of, of Disney after Bob Iger stepped down. Uh, he was previously the head of home media. 
He then went on to head of consumer product and then was the chairman of parks and resorts. So he is behind like merchandising, direct to consumer materials and, uh, you know, distribution and stuff for many, many years. I was baffled at the beginning. Why have they chosen this guy? Why have they chosen a guy whose primary focus at the company has been like direct to consumer, like products and merchandise and parks and stuff? Why not choose Alan Horn, who's the co-chairman um, of Disney and runs the Disney Studios as a CCO over at Disney Studios? Or Alan Bergman, who works as the co-chairman alongside Horn. I was thinking, why not put one of these guys, the movie guys, in charge? Mm-hmm. Like Bob Iger. Bob Iger comes from a history of entertainment. Um, Eisner came from, and, and Katzenberg came from a background of entertainment, of making films. And then they picked this consumer products guy, this guy who is you know, all about distribution to, it makes sense now. Yeah, The penny has dropped. Yeah, it exactly. makes sense because that's where the, the company is now going. Universal is their monster universe. They've had a lot of trouble with it. Um, they tried, they rebooted a lot of the monster movies like early 2000s. Most of them were pretty average. Um, then they tried to do this whole dark universe thing a few years ago and their first movie out the gate, The Mummy, was trash oh, and ruined the whole yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they were going to do the one with Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man and Angelina Jolie was going to do um, Bride of Frankenstein. It was going to be a Marvel Cinematic Universe thing where they all come together in a big monster mash mm-hmm. at the end. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the first Mummy just tanked and they went, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, they recently <laughs> released The Invisible Man with um, uh, Elizabeth... Um, why am I losing words today? Um Oh, oh God, no she's, idea. she's such a great actress. You saw the film. You know, but I can't remember who it was. <laughs> Elizabeth um, uh, Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Um, she's terrific. Yeah. She was amazing. The film was so good. And now they've gone, yes, we have hit, we've hit a winning formula, and that is giving visionary directors their own free reign over a property. They do their own unique spin on the character. Let's do a whole monster universe, except instead of like a shared universe, it's just a bunch of different... Pardon me, I'll just hit the microphone now and get a bit excited. Um, <laughs> they've gone, yeah, let's get all these visionary directors in. They do their own unique takes on all the different monster movies. And they've got 12 in production now. Oh, <laughs> my God. They've gone, yes, green light that, green light that, green light that one. Well, green light that one. This is off the back of one movie doing well. Oh. Insanely well, mind you, insanely well. Great film. It did so yeah, well. Don't jump the gun. Oh, that one, that one, that one, that one. <laughs> right, okay, so a few of the ones. This is on the back. They've just announced another one. Um, they've got Channing, Channing Tatum is coming in. He's going to star in um, it's an untitled Universal Monster movie, which is said to be a modern-day tongue-in-cheek thriller that is inspired by Universal's classic monster films. Um, so, I mean, if we think of, like, Abbott and Costello ones, it's probably going to be something similar to that, like a comedy monster mash thing. Um, it's got Phil Lord and Chris Miller on board to... I'm not sure if they're writing, but they're producing. They did the Jump Street films with Channing Tatum. Uh, they, they wrote Spider-Verse and the Lego movie. Um, and, um, yeah, well, so... Got decent writers on it, then. So it's got, it's got a decent production team. Uh, so this is just, again, as I said, one of 12 that Universal's currently Ooh. producing on the back of The Invisible Man doing really well. Um, so a couple of the other ones, again, we spoke about the Scorpion King reboot a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Invisible Man Don't sequel. They're doing an Invisible Man sequel with Lee Wan now. Oh, that's okay. Australian filmmaker. The first one was good, so why not? Uh, yeah, they're doing The Invisible Woman with Elizabeth Banks attached to star and direct. That was sort of... Um Obvious from the first film that, that yeah. happened, I think. Yeah. 
So we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Invisible Man two and Invisible Woman. Now Invisible, um, I mean, there's probably gonna be a lot of people out there going, "Why do we Invisible Woman? Why are you just putting a woman in the role? Uh, why are you doing that?" Well, Invisible Woman was a film from the like 1940s. Yeah, there right. was an Invisible yeah. Woman, yeah. Um, and it was a comedy film. It was like a like a really weird screwball comedy. And Elizabeth Banks primarily does comedic films, although she did um, Charlie's Angels. So I think probably I, I, I imagine if they make it like a comedy. Um, comedy action sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I, that, that'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, Wolfman starring Ryan Gosling and, again, Lee Wan Nell is apparently attached to that. That might be right. I like that might Ryan be pretty Gosling. good. Uh, there's a Dracula one in production. There's no kind of info on that. Um, there's one called Renfield, which is based on Dracula's henchman, Renfield. It's going to be directed by Dexter Fletcher, who did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman and Eddie the Eagle. Uh, I won't be watching that. Yeah. Um, Eddie the Eagle was okay, but yeah. the other two were just trash. I, rock, I liked Rocket Man. Yeah, it was okay. I loved Rocket Man. It was great. Um, Frank, I can't say Rocket Man was trash, but the other thing, Bohemian Bo Rhapsody, Rhapsody was just awful. Crap. Terrible movie. Um, Frankenstein. There's another Frankenstein coming, of course. James Wan oh. is going to reboot it. Um, and, of course, he did Love the Conjuring stuff. films and Saw and a lot yeah. of great stuff. He scared the shit out of me sometimes. Yeah, so that'll be <laughs> quite good. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein still kind of in a... State of Flux. Um, David Co-op has written a script for that. Um, and uh, John Krasinski and Sam Raimi have both been courted mm. recently to direct. So it'll be interesting. Um, and there's one called Dark Army, uh, which uh, Paul Feig, or Paul Feig, Paul Feige, Paul Feig, however you pronounce his name, he's writing and directing. It's going to feature monsters from the original movies and new characters. Mm. Um, and it's re- uh, the filmmaker, this is uh, what it says on Wikipedia, is a reaffirmed that it will be a horror movie, but that it will portray the monsters as rejects, similar to the original films. Um, so that'll be interesting as well. Mm. And we've got one called Monster Mash, which is going to be a musical. Oh, no. So already you're, seeing, already you're seeing like they're choosing a lot of these like really unique filmmakers, really visionary filmmakers who all have their very different styles and they're all going to put their own little spins on these films and make them their own thing. I guarantee you at the end, if they do all these movies... And it's a big if. If they do all these movies, they all do insanely well. There's going to be a movie where they mash all the characters together. It's just going to be the dark universe. It's just like a roundabout way of doing the dark universe of going, we'll see how they go. Mm. Which is not what they should have done in the first place. right? So anyway, so that's going to be interesting. There might be some good films there. I think so. Some really good people attached to some of those. Yeah. Like I love love the Universal Monster films. And even... Even some of the trashy remakes from like the early 2000s are a lot of fun. Like they're enjoyable. Um, like the Mummy films were great. Well, the first two at least were really oh, good. They were great. They were, they were great. They were great. Nineties action adventure films. Maybe I'm just saying that because I grew up with them. Yeah, I think you, <laughs> I think you got the blinkers on. Oh, a lot of fun though. They're just they fun. were. They were good fun. But just they fun. Great films. They were enjoyable. Right. So I don't know. We'll see what they do with all these. Spin off was worse. They're Scorpion King. Sure. Yeah, well, they're rebooting it, so it'll be interesting. Sure. Last week we were talking about how Universal has 12 monster films in the pipeline. Yeah, that's right. Um, on the back of one performing really well, they've gone, yes, we'll do this one. Let's do this one. Let's do this one. We'll do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Right? They've yeah. just announced a 13th one. Oh, bugger off. Yeah, they do another really? one. Yeah, Van Helsing, they're rebooting. Um, so this one, of course, that's, joins... Some of the, that's had like, two or three goes, isn't it? Yeah. Van Helsing? Well, Van Helsing was the um, antagonist in Dracula. 
Yep. And then, so he was in all of those films. And then, of course, Hugh Jackman did a Van Helsing. That's right. And then Van, Van Helsing just pops up in all the monster movies. Any version of Dracula you see or whatever, there's always a Van Helsing around. Um, so yeah, this is like, they're going to reboot it again. Uh, so this, of course, joins, as we mentioned last week, Channing Tatum um, is doing a comedy I haven't really said what it is, like a tongue-in-cheek comedy. The Rock is rebooting The Scorpion King. Uh, Elizabeth Banks is doing an Invisible Woman film. They're doing an Invisible Man sequel, reboots of Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and now we've got this Van Helsing film. Uh, it's going to be produced by James Wan, um, of course, of the Saw and Conjuring films, um, and he's also doing the, the Frankenstein film for this new Monster Universe thing. It's directed by Overlord filmmaker Julius Avery and written by Eric Pearson, who wrote Thor Ragnarok and Black Widow. So they seem to be um, all hands on deck for that one. Um, So 13 monster movies got to look forward to because one did very well. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to jump on the gun. Just thought I'd bring that up. God, oh, well, it's their money. Exactly right. They want to make this stuff for us to watch, well, you know. So be it. Yeah. Let's start with, with HBO Max uh, because this is where it all started. This is, this is why I initially wanted to get you guys on. Um, and this is, this is probably the biggest piece of news in, in memory. I was going to say this year, but, I mean, this is one of the most unprecedented things that has ever happened in cinema, ever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, like, the moments leading up to this announcement. Everyone was, like, was gearing people up. There's, like, world's about – the movie news industry is about to change. Yeah. Things about to go yeah. down, and they were not kidding right here. Yeah. I could not believe this announcement right here and them wanting to do that. And even the aftermath, which I'm sure we're going to get into, mm. of all the stuff we're finding mm-hmm. out that's in this deal that maybe they didn't go ahead and let everybody know on this list. But, like – I like just still the thought that whenever Godzilla versus Kong or Tom and Jerry comes out, mm. us will probably want to maybe see it in the theater if yeah. you if you feel up for that or if you can. And then you could come home and watch that exact same movie yeah. again. Like that blows my mind. And I always think I know streaming services cost, but like since it's a monthly thing, I, I consider it free if it just shows up at my accessibility yeah. mm, right yeah. there. And that's how I feel about whenever I get a new movie on streaming. It's yeah. essentially free because it's just right there to watch at any time. So I, I I don't know if this will actually go past this year. I'm 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 surprised they also didn't wait till mm-hmm. after Wonder Woman yeah. with uh, how that went because I thought that would be their little guinea pig test market. But I don't know, Austin. How did you feel about this? Yeah, I, that that's the thing is I thought this news would come after Wonder Woman because mm. you would think they would want to see how it plays out. And I know we had Mulan way back when, but that's the premier access route, which we see Disney is going to try again uh, for Ray uh, Ryan mm. the Last Dragon coming out on Disney Plus and in theaters with premier access. But yeah. for what HBO Max is doing, and I mentioned this a couple of days ago, this is going to change the theatrical landscape mm. as we know it. And I look at something like Net- Netflix, and that's kind of the focus uh, of what this my channel has been about is you focus on streaming but it all started with their model right oh, yeah. we're going to not only bring other things to our platform we're going to start releasing original films yeah. and original series and you see the numbers that that draws in and i'm sure some of these other studios over the last couple of years have been like man i mean you know hbo max comes out we're going to start doing maybe original <laughs> movies there but when you start getting these tentpole blockbusters mm-hmm. You talk about the eyes that that's going to bring to your platform. Oh, yeah. So I'm interested to see what the growth for HBO Max is going to be prior and post announcement and whether or not it gets shifted just to see 
where that goes from here and if they continue to implement that even after the pandemic. Yeah. That's my big question. That's, so where does it go from here? I mean, I, I've spoken about this on the channel multiple times. I'm sure my listeners are probably getting really tired of me bringing this up. <laughs> um, but I saw Jeffrey Katzenberg give us a, a talk six years ago. And he was asked, um, of course, the ex-CEO of Disney and, um, you know, yeah. founder of DreamWorks. Um, um, sorry, not CEO of Disney. He ran the, like, the, the studio department. Um, and he, he gave a talk here in Melbourne six years ago. And someone asked him, where do you see the future of cinema in 10 years' time? And his prediction uh, wasn't really a prediction because, you know, he's one of the big hotshots in Hollywood yeah. pu- pulling the nice. strings, was <laughs> yeah. in 10 years' time, you'll have a movie go to the cinemas and it will almost land day and date at your home. And you'll watch it on your phone. You'll watch it on a screen. And you'll pay, dep- you'll pay more depending on what size you're watching it on and everything. I'm thinking this is before streaming was even really a big thing. I'm thinking how on earth are they going to like, like shoot in like a, the brand new blockbuster these screens? Here we are, yeah. nearly 10 years later, and it's happened. And this is what uh, Bob Chapek said. The uh, current Disney CEO said, this has been the plan, but the pandemic just kind of expediated those plans. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, you're right. No, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, when Warner Brothers says, um, again, oh, we sort of kind of brushed over it. If anyone's kind of out of the loop, I'm sure no one is, but Warner Brothers have announced, or HBO Max announced, that the entirety of the 2021 slate from Warner Brothers is going to HBO Max next year. This affects movies like Suicide Squad, Matrix 4, Dune, Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Judas and the Black Messiah, Tom and Jerry, Mortal Kombat, Conjuring, Devil Made Me Do It, and so many oh. others. Um and Warner Brothers are saying these are just pandemic only rules. This won't be permanent. <laughs> yeah, right. But the 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 article that announced this kind of made that mention, which was once you start dismantling a system, can you put yeah. that system back together? And knowing what I heard from Jeffrey Katzenberg six years ago that this was gonna be the plan all along, I don't believe it. I don't believe that we're gonna go back to a traditional model after this. And I think the only thing that might change that is if this is like a a complete flop for them. But let's be honest, the general audience loves this model. The general audience yep. loves to sit at home. They want to get their movie for free. When Disney tried to charge 30 bucks for um, for Mulan on the streaming service, they went, I'm not paying $30 to go and see a movie. <laughs> I'm thinking, hang on a minute. You, got, you would have gone to a cinema and paid you know, more than that. A couple of yeah, people, yeah. you see the movie, you get your popcorn, you get your drinks and everything. All of a sudden, people are used to getting, as you said, Chris, stuff for free. Yeah basically but like so many things with that too it's like they could have really uh of stuck the middle finger up to disney mm. with why not even just like a five dollar premium charge or a ten dollar yeah. premium charge can you yeah. um and i think even the theaters would have been a little happy with that because then there's this extra wall that audience members have to make a decision of like okay do i want to spend the 10 now or i could go spend mm. the 10 at a theater and get the experience and and the full effect like i i think that would have been something because yeah it's essentially free and there's not even like even just a five dollar charge i think would have made such a difference and could have earned some money back to these movies that are kind of worried that they're not going to earn their budget Mm -hmm. backs or or all these back-end deals that they're getting Uh, along with that you're also right it's like us in the movie industry who who talk about movies who are all obsessed with this we're kind of hesitant on this model we Mm -hmm. are not feeling it but the general audience is my mother my father who don't really care they love this so like it's interesting to to us that we care so much about wonder brothers and them getting the money they deserve (laughs) it's like we're not seeing a cent to that or anything but you're right in that article where they were saying in like 10 years time this was supposed to be the plan but 
I think only uh, streaming services like Netflix and now Disney can uphold that model where if you just do the basic math of how many subscribers they have to how much they're paying per month, they're earning a boatload of money right Mm -hmm. there that I'm also worried we're going to a time now where we won't have movies like the Joker where that movie Warner brothers thought was going to fail. They gave it a low budget on purpose. They had no faith and it didn't even want to do that much marketing on it. Billion dollars. Success stories like that won't be happening anymore because every movie is built in with an already Mm pre-established. We make it for this much and we're already guaranteed to make this much money. No, you know, gambling where you hit the jackpot Mm -hmm. of like, Oh, that was a billion dollar movie or that movie was a loss. Now it's just every movie will kind of make the same amount. Yeah. And it's just, I am obsessed with box office. Yeah. I love looking at box <laughs> yeah. office numbers and, and uh, filtering that information. Okay, what's going to happen this upcoming week, making my predictions. Where, where do we go from here, right? When it comes yeah. to a movie being successful at the box office, especially Warner Brothers this year and maybe other studios following suit, what constitutes success, mm. right? Because we know they're bringing in money for, for the platform. Is HBO Max, are they going to release these numbers for us to see, uh, for those that really want to know the analytics of what these films are bringing in, how many eyes are watching them, whether mm. it counts as a view for five minutes or 10 minutes, you know, the Netflix model, <laughs> it's a bit up in the air. So I want to see all of these things implemented almost immediately. I just want to know how these movies are performing whether they're successful or not, because I think that's that's very important for what we do. And Chris, you brought it up a little bit earlier. I'm very worried for the future of theaters uh, mm. because obviously with the Warner Brothers films, that's going to keep a lot of the general audience from going to the theater. Yeah. Um, and so these chains, especially the struggling chains like an AMC, like a Regal, they're going to really struggle down the line uh and if more studios follow suit like i have a feeling disney may eventually they're going to test the waters this year then we're going to be in big trouble and dave you mentioned that prediction pandemic kind of speeding up that process we're here (laughs) we're here this is it man that was the announcement for me that just did it yeah me too i've just been from the beginning i thought this just sounds this, you know, six years I've been thinking, this is going to happen. And just watching how streaming's like slowly taking over, I'm thinking, that's going to happen. This is going to happen. And then yeah. this year it's been like, no, damn it, it's here. It's happened. It's here. And like <laughs> four years off when it was supposed to. It's um, the, the interesting thing is, though, that these movies will release in cinemas um, that are open, that are safe to go to, particularly over in the States where, you know, the pandemic is still very much, um, you know, a huge thing. Um, internationally, they're opening wide in theatres. Um, again, it, places where are safe, the UK, cinemas are still closed here in Australia. We're doing okay at the moment, so they will all open to in. cinemas here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, the, I, the, I, I just don't, I don't know, because we don't have HBO Max yet, but I feel like... When it does you launch here... have an alternative either? Like, uh, no, it's well, named something else over there? We've got, like, um... We've got a couple of local um, streaming services, the one called Stan, one called Binge, um, and they sort of pick up loose ends. The Warner from Brothers like, movies? Or they, no? they pick up Warner Brothers stuff, they pick up Hulu okay, stuff, and just sure. sort of buy out licenses. But I feel like HBO Max is probably going to roll out here at some point, and when that happens, this whole, oh, you're yeah. gonna, you are going to get these movies theatrically, I think there's going to, I think, I don't know. It's, okay. it's, it's so I mean, unpredictable. Even, even just that, because... 
to me, if a bowling, well, at least in the States here, I don't know about Australia, but mm-hmm. if a bowling alley, a, a skating ring, uh, places like that are still open here, I don't see movie theaters being completely shut uh, down in sort of like a blockbuster method where they just vanish. I, I do think it'll become a novelty thing or a niche thing where instead of like there's 10 in my city, it'll go down to two or maybe even just one theater yeah. per mm-hmm. uh, big populace right there. And that's kind of sad. And it makes you wonder, you know, w- what kind of movies will even want to do that? Because to a certain yeah. point, it does cost studios to put these movies mm. in theaters. Yep. So what happens if they just don't want to even put them in theaters anymore and spend that extra change? Then, you know, theaters are, are just left with with putting indie releases or, or local releases yeah, if yeah. anybody wants to, to watch that, which I highly doubt. Yeah. Well, those movies don't do well, do they? That's why they're not. <laughs> that's why studios don't invest in that kind of stuff very much yeah. because they just don't do well. So I don't, it just opens up so many questions about how's this going to affect the longevity of cinemas even staying open, even being a place yeah. that you can go to see a movie. Yeah. Again, like you said, a, a niche thing where you will go to a cinema to see a small film or you go to a cinema to see a movie that was made 10 years ago. It's just, it opens up. And I, and I feel like I know I will be, I will be part of the problem. I can, oh, yeah. I can complain oh, and yeah. moan and say, well, I'm a movie theater experience guy. <laughs> I, I love it. But <laughs> I had the shock where in my town, there's a family video, which mm-hmm. is like an alternative blockbuster here in the States, you know, that's still yeah. surprisingly up and running. You can rent oh. movies or video mm-hmm. games and whatnot. And I went in there cause I wanted to play a video game, but I didn't want to pl- spend the 60 bucks to, 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 mm. to, you know, play it. And I was like, you know what? This feels so cool being in here. It reminds me of nostalgia. I'm going to come here every week now. I never went back after I returned (laughs) that thing. I just, I was like, it's so much easier to just rent the movie at my home. And now I think we're fortunate enough to afford, you know, these big TVs or or maybe these nice speaker sets where we kind of, get close to the movie theater experience, you know, dim some lights and whatnot, especially, I mean, I think that's your theater room right there, Davis. Yes, it is. <laughs> so like, yeah. if you can match that quality, even just a little bit, you'll get used to like, ah, I don't really feel like walking on some sticky floors and eating some stale popcorn today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> last weekend, um, I got to be careful what I say, cause I'm still embargoed on the film, but I watched Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was supposed to go Lucky and see it in the man. cinema. The screening kind of fell through. Uh, so they sent oh, over a screener. And I get up at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I was thinking, oh, I really would have loved to see this in, in the cinemas. Uh, we've got a th- like a yeah. three-meter screen here. Yeah. So I woke up at 5 a.m., Wonder Woman 1984, straight through to my home cinema room. And I was sitting, thinking, you know what, this is actually, this is actually not bad. <laughs> like I'm watching a brand-new wow. blockbuster Right here in my cinema room, and I like it. Like you said, I just know I'm going to be part of that problem where it's like, oh, oh, Avengers bloody four is just straight away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just going to watch it here. Oh, straight away. Like it, it's just, you know, as much as we love that cinematic experience, and we we got to you know try and encourage people to keep it alive. It's just, it is, you know, yeah, opens up a whole can of worms. <laughs> well, I worry about the smaller areas too, especially here in the States. Like I live in Kentucky and where I grew up, we had one movie theater within an hour of where I live. Mm-hmm. One, right? So are those people, if that movie theater were to close, are they going to drive two hours to where I live now and yeah. watch a movie? Of course they're not. They're going to watch it on HBO Max. They're going to watch it, uh, you know, whatever platform is releasing movies. So it, it worries me for more of the general audience than the cinephiles because we're going to try our very best. But like both of you just said, maybe we get comfortable. Maybe we get complacent and say, you know what? I like, I have a nice TV. I have a nice sound system. I like watching a movie in my house, right? So I don't put that past any of us happening. I say right now, I want want to go to a movie theater and I want to enjoy these movies in the way that it's intended on enjoying them. 
But again, it's just so convenient. Look mm. at these. These are convenient. We <laughs> yeah. don't even have to go to a computer to yeah. look at the, I mean, come on guys. And that's just the way the world's going right now. So yeah. I definitely worry about the general audience mm. when it comes to something like that. Yeah. And look, the general audience pull the strings. They're the ones that make oh, yeah. Avengers Endgame like the bloody billion dollar blockbusters yeah. that they are. Um, but it's the studio that, that's not the studio that suffers. It's the filmmakers. And now yeah. a yeah. lot of people are not happy with this move. <laughs> um, now, Wonder Woman 1984 was the first one that they announced. They said, we're going to put this on HBO yeah. Max. We're going to test the waters. And everyone, like we said, just assuming we'll see how that goes. And if that goes, you know, really well, they might start doing this with some of the other pictures. But no, they just just jumped down and went, no, we're going to put them all out up there. <laughs> now, apparently what happened, um, uh, uh, Deadline reported um, they said that this is what they said in their report. I'm hearing that Legendary Entertainment, who made uh, Godzilla vs Kong and uh, Dune for for Warner Brothers, I'm hearing that Legendary Entertainment either has or will send legal letters to Warner Brothers as soon as today, challenging the decision to put uh, Dune into HBO Max deal and maybe Godzilla as well. Um, on the latter. Legendary reported um, reportedly had Netflix ready to pull the film from Warner Brothers for around two hundred and fifty million dollars before Warner Media blocked it. Sources said Legendary had no advance notice before last week's announcement that, bo- uh, that both of the films were part of the HBO Max plan. And the, in the days following that, we are starting to hear no one was given any warning. The directors, <laughs> filmmakers, the cast, so no one was given any warning. They were given like a half hour warning, like oh yeah, in half an hour we're going to announce this. Okay, a couple of things with that right there. Like, one, the only person they gave that that announcement or that courtesy to was the Wonder Woman team mm-hmm. of nineteen eighty four, um, Woman Woman nineteen eighty four, and they even gave them their yeah. contractual bonuses as yeah. if the movie were to make a billion dollars. So Gal Gadot got an extra ten million dollar mm-hmm. check, and that's great on her. I'm not saying she don't deserve yeah. that. That movie probably would have made a billion. So good on yeah. them for wanting to to get that. Yeah. But the fact that then. They didn't do that for the other 17 movies yeah. and try to do some sort of calculation of like, mm, your movie might have made 30 million, yours over here made 700 million. These are your calculated bonuses instead of just plopping them on. I don't blame all these mm. people for getting so upset at Warner Brothers for doing this. I, I also, legendary, they must feel so angry because it was them who put up 75% of the budget. Yeah. So they have the biggest stake right now in their monster universe. And this is a film that's been delayed, like, I think three years now. So the, the money's really racking up in whatever they loaned out. Yeah. And so I, I think they were really ready for that Netflix deal, which I think given how much the monster universe has been making and the decline and the budget, uh, I think yeah. that would have been amazing for them. So I'm surprised Warner Brothers did that. And it's all yeah. for their purpose for their um streaming service that legendary has no stake in that i don't even know if they have stock in or a partner in Mm. so can you just imagine handing them your movie and then they're using it to their advantage without telling you anything so i'm so i'll be curious to know what the legal uh outcome comes out to be sure i would think that someone sat back uh and at least thought about this Mm. and said you know what maybe we should Think of it as a business. We should tell our employees what's going Mm. on. You know, we should not make these drastic decisions. I don't mind the decision at this point in time because we don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic. But maybe we should should tell someone other Mm. than this one small crew, because in the grand scheme of things, what, 17, 18 movies, that's a small portion of all the people that you have to let in, yet they never let them know. So even though I do think some are, you know, maybe going a little bit overboard, I I completely understand Denis Villeneuve getting a little upset, not mm. knowing his movie 
was not just coming to theaters, but coming to a streaming service where I guarantee most of the views will come from that. Um, When you build a film like that, Godzilla, you know, those grand scale blockbusters that are built to be seen on the big screen, I don't blame anyone for getting upset. And it's so funny to see the the two headliners right now, Christopher Nolan, the beef, the evil love, the beef. Those are my two favorite directors. So I'm sitting back going, man, y'all, y'all don't, don't make the big boys mad and they're making the big boys mad man oh, and it is just my Lord. chaos right now <laughs> like like you said this is it's something that we as an audience we kind of go you know it's it's not bad I don't, I don't i don't mind this idea and it is again this this organic evolution of the cinematic experience but the the idea that they don't tell the people involved in making the movies or involve them in these conversations is just so baffling. And you kind of it's yeah. like this double edged sword where you're like, oh, I love this, but I don't love this at all. And <laughs> a list of stars now these have been reported in all the trades that are yeah. not happy. Again, as you mentioned, Gal Gadot and uh, Patty Jenkins were both paid in excess of ten million dollars each um, on the back of this deal, the money that they would have made off Wonder Woman had it gone and you know been a huge blockbuster. Um, and yeah. none of the other stars of these films were offered this deal. Um, according to, now who wrote this one? New York Times uh, noted that Warner Brothers stars like Denzel Washington, Margot Robbie, Will Smith, Keanu Reeves, Hugh Jackman, Angelina Jolie wanted to know why their clients had been treated in a lesser manner than Miss Gadot. Uh, oh. um, talk of Warner Brothers yeah. boycott began circulating inside the Directors Guild of America and a partner at one talent agency spent the, uh, spent the best part of the weekend meeting with litigators. Some people started oh. to angrily refer to the studio as... <laughs> The former bros. I love, I love that, that former brothers. That's our band name, guys. Come on, we're doing <laughs> Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We are the former brothers. Um, a Hollywood Reporter article quoted a top talent agent saying, Warners has made a grave mistake. Never have this many people been this upset with one entity. As you mentioned, uh, Christopher Nolan, the golden boy of Warner Brothers, um, had yeah. this to say to the Hollywood Reporter. Some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to found uh, to find they were working for the um they were working for the world's worst streaming service. That hurts. <laughs> Warner Brothers had an incredible machine for getting a filmmaker's work out everywhere both in theaters and at the home and they're dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand what they're losing. Their decision makes no economic sense, and even the most casual Wall Street investor can see the difference between disruption and dysfunction. He just went all out on them. Yeah. but I mean, he's right on a, on a lot of things there. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the economic benefit in this at all. No I, I get no that way. they want their streaming service to, to gain some numbers and do gangbusters, and that's perfectly fine, but, like, this just feels like a total loss that I mm. don't understand how the sacrifice is worth the outcome at all. Like maybe I'm missing some numbers. I'm obviously not a, an accountant, but I think anybody looking at this and hearing at it is like, this is going to lose so many people money. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's tough to say they're the worst streaming service. Oh yeah. Does that mean he prefers Quibi? I mean, I know Quibi's not a thing well, anymore. they're gone does, now, so... That does is. that mean... Or, or or like a peacock, right? Yeah. Because I just, I just don't see that. I mean, that is... With Quibi, I guess, very yeah. fresh in everyone's mind to say that, man. Nolan. Woo, oh, he time, just... Man. I mean, he Especially just, since he knows his movies are exclusively for oh, HBO yeah. Max. I mean, mm-hmm. they're all Warner Brother films. Well, the, the interesting oh. thing here is that he really pushed Warners to get uh, Tenet into cinemas... And they crashed and burned, essentially, on the theatrical yeah. front. Um, yeah, unfortunately. And I feel like 
that move is really what's led to this. They've looked at Tenet and gone, no, that movie didn't do well at all. Let's just shove all these on the streaming service. So in one respect, maybe he's just annoyed that oh, maybe we shouldn't have put that movie out. Maybe we were... I, just, I, I don't know. There's just so much so much to think about. It's crazy. Um, another another director that was uh, not pleased was James Gunn, who was just head of the Suicide yeah, Squad. Of course, yeah. um, and, of course, uh, the director of Dune. I can't pronounce his name. Austin, you did a very good job at that. Denis Villeneuve. I think (laughs) like three different pronunciations. So Um, we're there now. Well, he's referred to this as a hijacking. He says, uh, with this decision, AT&T has hijacked one of the most respectful and important studios in film history. Absolutely no love for cinema, nor for the audience. It's all about the survival of a telecom mammoth, one that is currently bearing an astronomical debt of more than $150 billion. And he just goes on again. He wrote, he wrote like a, a, an actual, um, he wrote an article uh, for I didn't write uh, for Variety, and it's very interesting to read. And you can tell, in contrast to the Christopher Nolan, where you can tell Nolan's very angry, he's just yeah. a bit disappointed, and he's like, I, it's like, it's really sad to see this happen, especially with his film. Um, and he thinks that this is going to ruin the chance for Dune to become a franchise because this movie will go on the streaming service oh, yeah. and will underperform. It will. It, it, and also because he was being bullied too by uh, by Warner Brothers to try and finish the film before December, mm-hmm. back when yep. we uh, thought everything would go back to normal by then. So I I just feel like he's feeling pushed around, unappreciated. When he's one yeah. of the best directors we have working right now, you know, I mean, with Christopher Nolan retires anytime soon, uh, he's taking up that mantle as the Warner Brothers yeah. favorite. If he can get his box numbers up, but with yeah. without this type of support, it's not going to happen. Yeah. That to me, that's almost worse than being angry. Is someone being disappointed? Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're like, like, oh, that's, no. that's the worst. Oh, and no. to have a filmmaker of that caliber, and mm-hmm. Chris, that's a great point because how do we measure Denise's success now? Because before it was box office numbers, and he just never quite got there. Yeah. Critical reception through the roof, but even he never got there with the box office numbers. Now, how do we measure that success other yeah. than just critical reception? I mean, it's it's going to be very difficult to see how successful these movies really are with this hbo max plan especially because each streaming service has their own own version of telling you because i think netflix is like they measure if you've watched two minutes of it that Mm. counts as a as an entire (laughs) view are they gonna do the same thing are they gonna make it down to 30 seconds or a minute you know how how far into it is there going to measure? It's like we had the most views on this movie as long as people watch at least a minute mm. of it. Yeah, and it's like they they are very hesitant to release any kind of numbers about you know oh, how yeah. many people watch this so unless it's like a huge. Disney Plus has been the same. They've been very quiet about numbers for particularly um, um, uh, Mulan, which went on there. Like yeah. there's been all yeah. these industry reports. Oh, it did this much. It did this, and then you just kind of so. They're all they're we're at this point now where they don't need to tell you how well their movies yeah. are going. And again, as you yeah. said, Austin, it makes it difficult for people like us who are trying to make Gage predictions what, and yeah. tell the news and it just changes everything. There's, there's just this domino effect <laughs> right down to us guys who are just I talking always, about the stuff. I I've told Austin this for the longest time since if you don't know Austin's channel, he reviews everything and anything on streaming services. The way I gauge if something was popular on streaming is if that review of the certain thing was higher than another. So yeah. if he reviewed season I don't know 3 of 13 reasons why and it was like over 20,000 views and then this mm. other action show was like 3 3,000 views, I'm like, man, 13 reasons why is getting some good numbers on Netflix, yeah. I think. Yeah, well, that's sure. honestly part of how I determine what I 
I'm going to review because yeah. it's and it's always these these niche things too, right? Because yeah. I'll review every show, and sometimes it's 13 episodes. I think it's going to be a heavily watched show. My video doesn't do all that well, mm. but then it's this random six episode show I've never heard of with unknown actors. And it's one of my best viewed videos over the last couple of weeks. So it's so hard to make that determination. But if I notice like a decline in subsequent seasons, yeah. most likely I'll kind of stop reviewing that show. Yeah. And that's how I gauge what videos I do now. But in terms of knowing the numbers, and I'm glad they implemented the top 10. Netflix mm. did that. So that kind of helps me out. But other than that, watching something for two minutes, everybody could watch something for yeah. two minutes oh, and yeah. click away. It, it all comes down to, if you go through the entire show and then you want to look up a review and how do I gauge something like that? So with Netflix, it is so tough and I hope they fix it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm at a loss for words for everything. I mean, we've spoken for, th- for 40 <laughs> minutes on it, but it's just, it gets to a point where you're just like, I just don't, you can't predict anymore. You don't know where it's all going. Um, one no. of the big predictions that's come out, Variety article noted uh, that a uh, media and tech research firm predict that the global cinema industry is set to lose $32 billion this year alone due to the pandemic and a uh, 71.5% reduction in box office revenue compared to 2019. Now, naturally, of course, the numbers aren't going to be the same. No movies have been coming out. People haven't been going to see the movies that are out there. But this is the repercussion that you're going to deal with over the next few years or into the future when movies aren't opening at cinemas. So where does this leave us when it comes to the kind of budgets these studios give to movies? Are we going to get huge blockbuster things? I mean, you've got Disney Plus are throwing like $100 million into something like The Mandalorian, which is like yeah. a, a, a third of the budget of a two-hour movie they're throwing yeah. into like an eight-hour series. So are we going to start seeing these blockbusters made on these really small budgets because they're just not making the money? $32 billion loss <laughs> at the box yeah. office. Um, that's something I am kind of excited about. I know that, that might sound bad, but I, I would love for Hollywood to step back, relook at the way they spend, because like something yeah. like Terminator Dark Fate, which I'm always up for another Terminator movie, but the fact that they spend, like, I think $150 million on that movie when the series has just been on the decline since the third movie Mm -hmm. it just blows my mind that the studio thought it would be a good idea and it would actually make money hopefully with these lower budgets it makes them focus more on the story and i would think that's what would happen but then you look at something like blumhouse that just has such a roller coaster of uh of quality they make something amazing like get out and then they'll come out with something like fantasy island so just low budget and focusing on story doesn't always work out but at least it kind of minimizes the loss. So I, I don't mind if Hollywood starts going with these lower budgets and maybe mm. adopts a Blumhouse model because I, I think it, w- it would be a good way for us to focus more on the storytelling. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know something like The Mandalorian, like obviously eight hours, eight episodes, I guess not eight hours, but eight episodes, yeah. you know, you're throwing in $100 million. But look at that behind the scenes that mm. we got last yeah. night. Yeah. The technology that they're using for that price, and obviously you have to pay the actors and whatnot, I think it can be done. I mm. think we can make yep, some yeah. bigger scale, beautiful blockbusters for maybe a budget that's a little bit smaller. And if you do that, the movies will be more successful that way, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and maybe that means we don't get a really famous actor to have a cameo role because you're going to have to pay him a little bit too much money, yeah. right? And you're going to go over budget yeah. if you do that. <laughs> so, it, you know, we, we may, may be a, bit, a little bit of a give and take there, but I think it can be done. And honestly, yeah. like you, Chris, I'm a little bit 
bit excited about that at the opportunity of getting some smaller budgets and maybe doing a bit more with it. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes for sure. Yeah. I totally believe you make a $30 million Spider-Man movie that has the potential to hit a billion dollars and it might not, you know, look the, the way you expect from everything that we've seen so far, but if the story is good, I don't think we really care. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm watching Mandalorian and you think this just looks like a film. Like you can't, you wouldn't know. Like the general, a general person, general public wouldn't know this has been made on you know the third of a budget of a of a of a two hour film. Um, it's yeah. it's insane, and this new technology they've got. I think yes, yeah, so you're gonna start costing them less money to make these movies, and then yeah, maybe that leads to bigger, bigger successes. Maybe we're gonna see this shift in Hollywood where now a billion dollars isn't the benchmark. It's like five hundred yeah. million or six hundred million or something. You know, uh, it's just yeah. it just changes everything again, right down to just the just the, the the smallest things. I mean, you look back to the 1940s, you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars or like a one million, two million dollars was a success sort of thing. Maybe we're just sort of receding back. Another big production that isn't in production at the moment. Mm. Spider-Man 3. The second one, Spider-Man 3 2. Yeah. They didn't get to Spider-Man 3 in the last no. set of Spider-Man so we've got no, Yeah. So now we've got Spider-Man 3 coming in for the, for the MCU. Mm. We don't have a title for it yet. I can't. Right. I can't remember. Has this one been shut down? I don't think there was a. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it kind of started and then stopped and then started again. Yeah. But that was because of everything's still, a bit uncertain. It's still on track for December of yeah. next year, whatever. Yeah, I believe. Thankfully, mm. there's some crazy stuff going on with this as well. I mm. spoke about this last week, but I'm curious yeah. to hear what you think about this. Um, let's run over just a bunch of the people who are confirmed from it already. Tom Holland, of course. Yep, yep. He's there as Spider Spider Man. He's gonna do it. Yep. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be in there as Doctor Strange. Makes, makes sense. Uh, Jamie Fox returns from the Amazing Spider Man films as Electro. Everyone's favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got Alfred Molina. This was just announced last week. Yeah. Doc Ock from the first trilogy of Spider Man films. I mean, he died when he drowned that son. Yeah. Whatever. I guess. Didn't Electro die as well? Or oh, yeah. He like blew up and whoops, went uh, somewhere. Yeah, I don't maybe know. he did. <laughs> <laughs> he may have. Yeah. He may um, have. We've got Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, of course, the two previous mm-hmm. Spider-Men, uh, Kirsten Dunst and Emma Stone, the two previous love interests. Yep. They're all in final discussions, apparently. I would say, if this is true, that's a lock. It would have to be. Like, have if be. they're filming if it, they got, yeah. it's definitely, like, it's yeah. it's done. It was probably yeah. done oh, ages six ago. months ago. Well, there's a picture yeah. came out last week of Tobey Maguire mm. looking all sheepish, walking into a yeah. um, He looked pretty trim, too. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, Charlie Cox, this is a weird one. Charlie Cox, they're saying, is rumoured to be in there as Daredevil. I would love this to be true. It would also yeah. make sense if Tom Holland, Spider-Man, is on the run or whatever mm-hmm. and he needs, yeah, a lawyer. needs a lawyer. It would make total sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm up and down on those Netflix shows, but yeah, same. I think... The, I stopped the, watching. Yeah, me too. But he... I think it's all good like in terms yeah. of casting and yeah, he's yeah, great yeah. as... Yeah. Uh, Daredevil. Yeah. yeah. It's I either think... him or Affleck, so who do you do? <laughs> oh, exactly <Yeah>. right. <laughs> um, I, I, I enjoyed the ones I watched. I think I watched the first two of Daredevil. Yep. The first of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, and then watched the Defenders, which I didn't really like. No, it was a sl- it was one of those yeah. ones. It's like oh, got pushed like, to get to the end. This should be better, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it's just like such a fizzle. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can't wait. It's like the MCU of the Netflix. And it was yeah. just like I struggled to get through. I think I stopped watching, and then I had to pick. It. I was like, I have to watch the last two. Yeah. So I haven't watched whatever came after that season three and two and what, of the other shows. Mm. Um. But the casting is spot on. Oh, yeah. Like, it's terrific. Yeah. Um, Kristen Ritter as is, is, is Jessica great. Jones really fantastic. Yeah. Um, Mike, what's his name? Mike that plays um, uh, uh, Luke Cage. Coulter? Yes, Mike that's Coulter. right. Yep, He's yep. amazing. Yep. And, uh, of course, Daredevil too, like Charlie Cox. Yeah. You, can't, you kind of, in one 
one one mind you're kind of like, well, it's it's disconnected from the MCU, but if you're going to bring the characters in, you mm. want this cast. Definitely. You don't yeah. want them to like refresh again. I think it's also like that stuff may or may not have happened. It didn't affect yeah. any of the mainline yeah. Marvel stuff, so I think it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You well, know what if, I mean? Well, if we're doing this whole like, you know, multiverse thing, yeah. it's got such an easy in to pull all these characters mm. in and, oh, this was an alternate timeline, yeah. just drop them through the, the portal. People get it at this point as well. Yeah. I think if you do like a straightforward origin story, because I, mm-hmm. I think even if you look at like Captain Marvel, which I think is fine, yeah. it's fine, but, yeah. but uh, whatever. But yeah, people are like, this feels a bit quaint. Yeah. You know, so I yeah, think yeah. like this, people are used to this now. They've built up to like, mm-hmm. we don't need another origin. Let's yeah. just, just let's just fold dimensions them into yeah, each yeah. other. It um, might be a bit much though. I but, think so. Yeah. Well, because this week we've got rumours of Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe, <laughs> yep. uh, coming in as the Green Goblin, yep. and uh, Thomas Hayden Church as the Sandman, yeah. both from the original trilogy. Is it just too much? It might be. I know a lot of these are probably cameos, yeah. and whatever. But uh, I mean, it's all. I mean, it depends. I, I'm sure, like, if you love certain characters and they get four seconds mm-hmm. of screen time, then yeah. you know you're probably upset. It just it's all about balance, I guess. It's like with Endgame. For Endgame, for me, it didn't feel like there were like people didn't get a certain amount yeah. of screen time. It felt relatively yeah. balanced. But I know people are going to want to see a lot of Tobey Maguire. Oh, for sure. And, and even Andrew Garfield, because I think, you know, yeah. they're not great movies, but he's good, you know. Mm. Maybe. Sony yeah. have a weird track record, but... Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> You're right. But this is... Um, <laughs> this, uh, but it's also had, like, like Marvel of yeah, running this. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. But it's, yeah. it's almost like... Spider, I felt the original Spider-Man 3 failed because they shoved too many characters yeah. in to begin with, like three or four villains or whatever it was, yes. and then they kind of went that way with the amazing Spider-Man films too. Yeah. So you've got more and more overblown as it went, mm. and you're kind of going, you're doing it again? Mm. And on an even grander That's scale? That's a good point, yeah. I don't know. I think th- things have evolved since then. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I mean, they, maybe they won't pull it off, but I feel like there's enough good faith there where they probably know what they're doing. Yeah, well, like you extent. said, Endgame, and you've got... like yeah. It's even like, you look at Endgame, you have like, like Tony Stark has like 15 minutes screen time or something yeah. once it's broken down. Yeah, right, uh, yeah. But it works, you, you almost feel like you've watched him throughout the totally. whole film. Yeah, I, did, I didn't realize that. I didn't yeah. know that, yeah. That might not be correct, but That's I know that... I, right. I think it might even be like Thor has like eight minutes or something, but really? by the time you yeah, yeah. out of the film, you feel like you've seen him and... You're like, oh, yeah, Thor, Fat Thor or whatever, yeah. and then you remember, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. and even like um, Infinity War, Black Panther's not in it long at all. He's no. got like two scenes. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, just so I feel like they've got that... Um, I guess they have the luxury of that, of doing yeah. like two movies. So... Characters like Doctor Strange, you get a lot of play in the first one. Yeah. They don't really in the second yeah. one. Oh, did this, did I, get, oh, I, said, I think I disconnected something. Did I don't I? know. No, you're in Okay, the, good. You're plugged <laughs> in. You're right. Good, okay. <laughs> something just moved. Okay, yeah, yeah. All mm. good. Um, right. For those not watching, mm. James has thought he's just unplugged. Uh, That's right. People listening on the audio. I got fed up and I just started pulling cables yeah. out. <laughs> and it's all good. It's all right. We're all good. Um, <laughs> There was there was one rumor I heard was that um, if they're getting Toby and Andrew back, yeah, there's a chance they've been signed onto a multi-film contract. Okay, yeah, which would mean there's a possibility that they mm. appear in Multiverse of Madness before it goes sure. into Spider-Man, and that would make sense as well because Sam Raimi. Yeah, that's that, that is the big part of that as makes, well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I definitely believe that. Yeah, it's interesting that they're going Spider-Man. Dimensions first and then Multiverse yeah. of Madness. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I yeah. guess, because I think, was it initially the other way? 
Oh yeah, you're right. It might yeah, have been. Yeah. I don't know. I might be wrong on that. No, I think uh, no, yeah. no, because Doctor of... Strange should have been out by now. Oh, okay, I right. think, or should be, should have not. No, or sorry, so at early next year it was okay, supposed to be yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because WandaVision... WandaVision was always supposed to be December. Yeah. Um, and then Multiverse of Madness was supposed to spin like directly out that's of right, that in, the, in like February. That's the rumours, isn't it? Yeah. Or speculation that WandaVision is going to yeah. kick off the multiverse. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. interesting. What are your thoughts on the whole multiverse thing? I'm all for it, man. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think at this point, just keep up. You yeah. Know I mean? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I think they do a pretty good job of like explaining it to people what is going yeah, yeah. on. And I think you can go into a lot of these movies not knowing other things. And mm. like, you know, you have a relatively... Yeah okay idea of what's going on yeah. yeah i'm fine with it if they can mm. if they can do it then yeah it's like because yeah. comics are crazy as well yeah, exactly right and that being said like there's been varying degrees of success involving in different universes mm. and different runs but it's hard to do but it yeah. can be done yeah. yeah especially there's like so much content now it's mm. almost like a lot of people are not going to watch everything there's a lot no. of people that don't watch anything to begin with yeah that's now right. yeah, with exactly. all these shows yeah. and movies and stuff totally. I don't know if you heard about you probably did mm. um, but they just announced like two or three days ago they're doing an, another show for Disney Plus called uh, MCU Legends I did see that yeah, yeah. so it's like recap it's like a recap yeah, yeah. yeah so they're doing it character by character yeah. so obviously they'll probably do um, well the first two yeah the first two they're doing um, um, Vision and Wanda it's obviously going to be like a recut of like their greatest hits from the yeah. Previous films, mm. and you imagine you get a Black Widow one before Black Widow. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good way to, especially for the casual fans who mm. aren't watching everything, yeah. or even like we're only twelve years into this franchise, but there's twenty two or twenty three movies already. Yeah. yeah, and then we're gonna get like so many, like however many yeah. more is on the slate. I think it's a really good way to just kind of give the more casual people a good way to to track the story, mm. and it gives people like us who've watched them all. The chance to just watch like what going into into an into the next big movie. Mm. All you need is like the little recap instead yeah. of going. Fuck, I have to watch like six <laughs> movies all over again. Totally, yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't, I'm sure you're the same, but I don't rewatch stuff yeah. to go in. I'm just like, no. yeah, I got a rough idea. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this. I think I did it with um, Endgame. Maybe yeah. I did with Endgame. I was like, screw it, I'm going to do it all. No, yeah. no, it was. Um, I did with um, Age of Ultron. At yep. that point, there was only like 11 or 12 yeah, movies. Or whatever. And then I think yeah. I might have done it again for Infinity War. Okay. I didn't do it again with We wouldn't game. need to. It's a year in between. Yeah, exactly not right. That, not that difficult yeah. to keep up. Yeah. So, it's also fun. like it's more content filler for Disney. As well. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly another right. thing. Yeah. You know, it's easy enough Which is, I feel like Disney Plus has been a little lacking. I think so, uh, On yeah. the uh, like original content anyway. Yeah. Or even it's like stuff that I want to watch. Because yeah. I know oh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that like that does go up there yeah. that I'm not super interested in. Yeah. Fine. Well, it seems I mean, to exactly. like they're, they're, you know, they're moving things along. Yeah. As I'm sure we will talk about. Yeah, right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, how good's that? King of segues. Yeah. Um, Disney Investor Day. Now, I did talk about this last week, but I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on sure, this yeah. as well. Um, there's so much stuff that so they've much. just announced. Yeah. And spinning out on the Marvel stuff, this is the stuff that they either announced this week or has been announced previously. Disney Plus series for Marvel. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hollywood Special, I Am Groot, which is like a little series of short films, yep, yep. and What If, which is yeah. the animated thing. Um, and then beyond the 2021 movies that we're getting next year, which is Spider-Man and whatever, Black Widow and Eternals. Yep, Eternals yeah. um, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel 2, Blade, Ant-Man of the Wasp, Quantumania. Like the name. Um, yes, great name. Mm. Beautiful. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, Guardians 3, Black Panther 2, Fantastic 4. Over on the Lucasfilm side, you've got 
10 TV series. Yeah. Rangers of the New Republic, uh, Ahsoka and or Obi-Wan Kenobi, which we knew about. Mm-hmm. Lando, The Acolyte. They got two movies which are coming out, one by mm-hmm. Taika Waititi and one with uh, by Patty Jenkins, Rogue Squadron. There's also like a droids show or something. Yeah, there's like, there? there's like, I think it's an animated thing. Did and they then... announce all the shows? Like yeah. they said 10, but they yeah, actually said Yeah, they 10. did. They it was because said... I think a lot of them were animated. There's one called The Bad Batch. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which yeah. spins out of the Clone Wars. I think also there's rumors. I think a lot of people who know about Star Wars stuff, yeah. like Steel Wars, for example, mm-hmm. people might know. Um, yeah. they, they, they reckon there's a Boba Fett. Thing that's filming like yeah. right now, um, yeah. which they can do with the volume. They can exactly film right. yeah. whatever. Yeah, they're building yeah. one here in Melbourne. Uh, is oh, it in Melbourne? Melbourne? Is I'm it? Not, actually, I'm not sure if it's Melbourne. But there's one in Australia. Yeah, I, know, I did one hear in they're Australia. building yeah. one. Yeah, because they're building. One, I know they're doing one in the UK, or they might. Yeah, already there's one in one. London, yeah. and they. Um, yeah, because what were they? <laughs> Sorry, I should be more professional. Reckon everything. <laughs> <laughs> I can edit this stuff out of my podcast, or colleagues can. I'll leave it in. They're filming. They're filming something in London. Maybe it is Spider-Man or, I don't know. They were, no, the uh, Cassian Andor yes, show. Yes, they are. They've yeah. started that. And I reckon yeah. they must be doing, they, the volume's obviously yeah, already yeah. been built there. Yeah, totally. But they're doing one here in Australia. I don't know if it's, I know there's more studios being built. I know um, Taika Waititi was talking about doing it for Thor. Yeah. Thor, so it might be using it for that. Maybe it's yeah, in Queensland. Queensland, probably. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Let us know, Taika, right in. Yeah. If you're, <laughs> yes. we, know, we know you're if watching. If you're there listening <laughs> or watching, yeah. Um, but look at so much content, man. Yeah. Um, majority of this, other than the movies that I mentioned, of course, are all going to Disney Plus as exclusives. Oh yeah. Are we? I Insane. mean, we talk we talk about a lot. You hear it a lot in people and talking about movies and stuff. Is oh, we're getting overloaded, we're burning <laughs> out. This is the first time where I've I was watching the. I don't know if you watched the investor panel. I did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, it's the first time where I'm feeling this is a lot to take in, <laughs> and it's not only overwhelming to have all these announcements, but it's overwhelming to think about the content I'm going to have to make. Yeah. And it's overwhelming just thinking about how I'm going to consume all this stuff. Totally. I think a lot of this stuff though, for a lot of people, and I think it will be for me also, some of it will become like the B stuff that you don't yeah. need to worry about. Like mm-hmm. when I, like when I dropped off the Marvel Netflix stuff, yeah. like with like the Arrowverse where I'm like, this. Uh-huh. 50 shows here. <laughs> I, got, I mean, that being said, like, just looking at this, most of this stuff I do want to watch. Yeah, I'm the same. And I guess it's also like, I was going to say, it's not going to drop all at once, is it? Because it's going to be like, no, there'll be a Star right. Wars show, then there'll be 10, and then that'll finish, and then there'll be yeah. a Marvel show, yeah. and that'll be Which is essentially what they're doing with, because um, mm. uh, well, we're filming this on Friday night. Yeah. Um, and so the last episode of Mandalorian's today. How was it? I hope yeah. you guys enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I hope you did enjoy yeah. it. If we don't <laughs> I hope quite I enjoyed yet. it. Yeah, I hope I did too. People the finale. Were, people were a bit upset because it was revealed that Peyton Reed was doing the episode. Oh, yeah, And he did the right. Spider Cave yeah. one, which is like considered the not great yeah. one. People didn't like it. I quite like that I episode. I thought it was good. I still think, Again, it doesn't like directly yeah. impact the plot. There's a lot of side yeah. quests, but it's fun. It's good. Even the it's bad right. Mandalorians, like, this is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It's a fun show to watch. Mm. I feel like, again, going off topic, I feel like it's almost the production value of it is so good. Mm. It's like watching a movie and yeah. you get to 35 minutes and it's uh, end. You it forget, ends. Yeah. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. I want more. I want yeah. more now. I find myself also like, Looking for the seams of like the volume. Yeah, I'm me like, too. That's a volume. Now shot. that we know, no, that's a set. That yeah. one. No, that's yeah. that lava's not real or whatever. <laughs> like I'm just doing that the whole time, which is probably because I didn't do that at all in the first season because I didn't no, know. I hadn't. They hadn't revealed yeah. any of that, and I reckon that's exactly. And now why. I'm just looking for yeah, it like the too. whole time, yeah. which is probably not doing it any favors. We're doing a recap on 
Monday for the week. Well, and this goes out as well as people. Yeah, same day. So we'll be out there right now, maybe. That's right. Maybe. Or within within a couple of hours, if you're listening to this straight away. Maybe I died. Maybe I'm dead. Maybe I didn't do it. hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I don't want that. This could be the last piece of content content you've ever made. Well, what a way to go out, though. I mean, in my heart. Um, the but sugar's yeah. going to kill me. Oh, yeah. You get, you're hooking into <laughs> oh, yeah, them. Oh, yeah. I have one of oh, them. No. They're quite good, yeah, actually. They're good. Mm. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so Mandalorian ends tonight, and then we go almost straight into WandaVision yeah. on January? January 15th. Mm. Yeah. So I might be doing some stuff for that, um, which I... I hate it when people are like, I can't talk about it. Yeah. I'll tell you after, but I literally cannot talk about it. Also, oh. it might be nothing. So uh, exciting. forget that. Just edit this out. Okay. I will ask you after this. Mm. That's exciting. Um, so yeah, I feel like a lot of this stuff will get that staggered. Yeah. It'll almost be like, I feel like it's, it's going to have to be like an endless, because stri- this stuff is only takes us up to 2023. This is two years. Yeah. Three years. Mm. Um, and then you look like, a lot of this stuff will get sequel series yeah. and then they'll announce new stuff. Mm-hmm. The stuff like the Obi-Wan series, which yeah. is probably the thing I'm most excited for. Yeah, me too. That'll probably get one. Mm-hmm. Then again, yeah, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. You just don't know. Mm. But I feel like it'll all be like this thing ends and then ne- maybe even the next week, the next yeah. thing starts. It'll be like the way with Netflix. It's like, yeah. it's just, I mean, you, maybe you don't watch it all, but it's mm. just yeah. every week there's at least something that, you know, you'd want to watch. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. It is interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but it is, it is overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Really bad idea to have one of those um, mints. Yeah. <laughs> kind of just stick you. <laughs> I can, hear, I've I can been, hear it. I've been avoiding them strategically. I've been well, going for the more gummy stuff. It's like one of the first ones I went in for. <laughs> They're good though. <laughs> so good. Yeah. But um, sounds like I'm chewing uh, like gum. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I'm excited for. I think I'll probably try and watch it all. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'll definitely watch it all. Like, I think like maybe the droids animated, and I might. Like, yeah, that's the kind of I'll stuff. I'll probably that... catch up on the bad mm. batch after it's done yeah. if I hear it's pretty good and yeah, whatever. But the same. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Thanks again for listening to the best of the Daily Down Under Podcast 2020. Once again, I'll be returning with brand new shows in early 2021 where you can catch episodes every Monday on all major podcast platforms including Apple, Google, Spotify and Amazon and the visual element on YouTube. For early access, don't forget to head to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Dave Lee Down Under and if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the like button down below. See you then. 